0: Welcome to the Fizzle Show.
1: Oh
0: yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Sorry. This is of course the Fizzle Show, the indie business talk show that helps lifestyle entrepreneurs build honest, profitable businesses that won't fizzle out. Every Friday we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship. Building a thriving audience and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts today are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves, We Run Fizzle.co, honest training and genuine community for lifestyle business builders. Featuring just in time training courses so you don't get trapped constantly consuming info across the web. It costs $35 a month. But as a listener, you can get your first five weeks for free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. All right, let's get into the episode. No point in beating around the bush here. I'm hoping for advice and reassurance. I've recently experienced a pretty huge disaster in my freelancing career, and I'm absolutely kicking myself. That's how a fizzler started a recent conversation in the fizzle forums. And on this episode, we help her blueprint a freelance business from scratch, kind of. So here's some of her story. She started a successful-ish business, service-based business. Okay, then she fell out of love with that and decided to accept a job offer that came her way. Then two weeks later, the company she took a job with fired everyone in her department. And so now she's back to square one. And wondering what to do. This episode is so raw and honest; it might make you bristle a little. Uh, we talk about money, emotions, and some back of the napkin math that you definitely need to know about and understand. So follow along at home at FizzleShow.co/slash-one-thirty-seven. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Um, how do you guys want to open the show? Do you and want to- We're back! Oh, look at that! <laughs> Who was that? We're back. <laughs> we're back. So back. I would headbang
2: bang with you, but it might Woo. not end well for me. That's true. My hair's getting longer up top. That was that so was the, really like the head bangs you coming go out
0: with a devil lock. Let's just say those bangs aren't the only thing that's banging. I, I don't get that. I don't really <laughs> know. What is, the is other it? thing? Hello, welcome to this week in English heavy metal. I'm Baron von Bone Crusher. I'm excited to talk about a few new album releases today my guest of course the lead singer for <laughs> Scrupulous Number <laughs> <laughs> Here's <laughs> You guys can't lie, Corbin's losing him. it. Finish it, <laughs> Scrupulous number, as you know, has the number one hit single, ah, Foggy Neck. Damn it! God, it. I He came I was, out of it. He came out of it. I was
3: in mid mid swallow, but glass of water there.
0: Oh goodness uh, gracious! That's a great way to start the show. Work. It's going to be a good ah, one. Crying already. Everybody get on. Everybody get on your uh, get on your uh, your helmets because we got a we got a good one coming for you. Um, so, uh, so any, any, any little, uh, let's talk shop for a second. Anything, anything new going on? Anything we need to know about guys? It's uh no, you know what?
2: We just need to finish what we started working on for the end of the year. That's, that's shop talk.
0: Yeah. If you want a little shop talk on, on fizzle, we've got a, a Trello list of projects. That's about, uh, it's too long at this point. It's everything's finally moved over, but getting longer and longer. Everything's started and not a lot is finished. Yep. But, uh, but it's, it's good. we're, we're, we have made a ton of progress this is the i don't know if you've ever tried to build anything uh, yourself i hope that you have but what you what you need to realize is that is that you have to define when you're done because you'll never know when you're done You have to define when you've done enough, because it'll never feel just like out of the blue, like, yeah, I've done enough.
3: Well, uh, I think maybe we should treat ourselves like five-year-olds and be like, you can't open a new toy (laughs) until you put your last toy (laughs) away. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's very true. Um, Okay, so on the show today, Steph is bringing us a question from a fizzler in the forums. This is a good one. This is, it's gooey. It's like, it's a... there's a lot of ins and outs. It's challenging. It's real. What it feels like is real life. So, Steph, you mm-hmm. want to tell us uh, what we're talking about?
1: Sure. So, Steph is bringing you a question from another Steph. So, oh, let's snap. see if we can keep track of that. Um, but this is a question from a fizzler who is definitely in an interesting situation. And it's once again, we've had a couple of these episodes recently where the community has just really come out of the woodwork to strategize on behalf of the person posing the situation. So it's been really cool to to watch this unfold, but basically We're a bunch of
0: SOBs and fizzle, a lot of strategizers on behalf. Totes.
1: totes. And <laughs> <laughs> so, in this particular case, we have someone who had been working as a freelance copywriter, blogger, and social media consultant for about a year, and ultimately she sort of she admits that she fell out of love with what she was doing, and she decided that maybe it would be easier slash safer to go ahead and accept a position with a company when one came her way to get a steady income. So she takes the job. She lets go of her freelancing clients. And then not two weeks later, she is fired due to some downsizing or something like that. So she loses the job that she had decided to take and relinquish her business in the meantime. So um, her main question comes down to two things. And I'll, I'll read this part from from the forum. She says, I feel stuck because a this ridiculous venture back into the world of full time office work has made me realize why I struck out on my own in the first place, something I apparently forgot along the way. So I know I don't want to work for a corporation again unless I absolutely have to. And B, I feel like I'm right back at square one. Honestly, it's rocked my confidence when it comes to having the drive to succeed. So she also adds she has a website, she has a business proposition, but she's not sure whether or not she is in phase two of the roadmap. And she's also concerned because her heart clearly was not in it before. So she's concerned that she's going to become disenamored with her business once again. So her question is, is it time to reevaluate myself, my business, my plan? Do I start over? How do I make this thing work so that I don't have to go and take another job? I love it. So what What I hear from this, like
2: the biggest thing is it was like a grass is always greener kind of situation where she had been supporting herself in independent business by being a freelancer for a period of time. As she put it, you know, my freelancing career pre, as she says, new job gate wasn't (laughs) a failure at all. Some months I struggled, but I supported myself from it nonetheless. So it's not like she was failing in business. She just kind of felt like some stability you know, a steady income. She said
3: earlier, uh, it had been a stressful cycle of feast and famine. Right. Right.
2: And so, you know, here's a case where it does sometimes seem easier to go take a job and have a steady income and have that stability in your life. And what she found very quickly is that that can be a risky proposition, right? Somebody can just as easily yank that out from under you as, uh, and that can be more challenging sometimes as the struggle between feast and famine as an independent entrepreneur. And so she's finding that now where she's kind of, theoretically back out on the street and she's got to figure out how to make her own way again uh, and I think that's a typical story that we would hear from a lot of different people it's so easy to forget the value of having independence and freedom and being able to control your own destiny and I think it's it's natural to forget that and try something else for a while and so now it's just kind of where do we go from here basically yep. that's what I'm hearing here
0: yeah I think there's there's a lot there's a lot in this that I that I to. I just kind of want let's just start jumping and talking about it this idea of falling out of love with your business. You do all this work to build a thing. And then after you have like, you, you, there's, this, there's this perfect little story, this this potential downward spiral where she doesn't like working in, in some office somewhere for somebody else. So she comes back to, uh, to uh, or she tries to start her own business. She does it. She gets successful in it. And then kind of goes... I don't know, this isn't everything that I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? It, it it actually is hard. You fall out of love with your business. This is a real thing that can happen. Now, there's a few things why, there's a few reasons why this could potentially happen. One of them is you're working with crap clients and all you got to do is figure out who your dud clients are and, and get back to your ideal clients. This is uh, something that's uh, taught really, really well in the um, the Essentials of Book Yourself Solid course in Fizzle. If you want to try it for free, that's in Fizzle, uh, fizzle.co slash try five. Or you can just go buy the amazing book from Michael Port uh, called Book Yourself Solid, which is super good. If you do any client services business, get that book. It's the most important book that Corbett had ever basically used when he was doing client stuff. And then he gave it to me and it was and it became really central for my stuff too. And so, uh, Michael Port, Bestselling New York Times bestselling author partnered with us, and we made a course inside Fizzle. It was great uh, with Jason Billows, our very good friend up in Canada. Uh, anyways, that idea of falling out of love with your business, I, I I know. I mean that that everything becomes a job in the end is totally. the way I feel about it. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. you, hey, what are you passionate about? Find your passion, build it, build a career out of it. Yeah, it's no matter how much you care about it, there's crappy tasks you'll have to do. Totally, the things that you believe in. Those tasks are going to be worth it, even though they still super suck. Well, and
3: I, I I think when when people want to become entrepreneurs, a lot of times they're doing it because either they hate their job or they think somehow that being your own boss will be this magic utopia. Yeah. And it just it doesn't happen that way because there is a lot of messy crappy stuff that you have to deal with. Yeah. And a lot of times when you jump into it, you don't think far enough ahead. All you're focused on is, I want to be my own boss. I want yeah. to call the shots. I mm-hmm. want to, you know, and then you find out that being your your own boss means you have to self-motivate. And instead you sit there and play video games all afternoon or something yeah. and don't get any work done. That happens right. to a lot of people yeah. as well. Or you, you know, you think I'll just get some clients and work whenever I feel like it. But then you don't realize, well, depending on the kind of projects I take on, clients might be calling me at 11 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. And that's not very fun either. Yep. Um, so a lot of that is either thinking it through a little bit more so that you're getting the right kind mm-hmm. of clients focused on the right kind of problems, or um, you just need to give it time to iron out all these processes yeah. so that you get better at it and you make your business you mold your business more into the kind of thing that you were really hoping for in the first
0: place. Yeah, so I mean, that's to me, that's the first part about this that I was just like nodding my head going like, yep, Steph, I have been there. I know what you're feeling. The first takeaway is the idea that, listen, no matter who you are, no matter how much you love your topic and, and your business, like there's a chance that you will, quote unquote, fall out of love with it. Now that that is pretty, that sounds pretty fatalistic and final. That's not, it, I don't think that Steph was in a final place. I know that when I've lost, uh, when I've fell, fallen, it felt like I've fallen out of love with my business. What really happened was, I was playing by somebody else's rules yep. and I needed to come back to how I want to do and it. Right? How
2: I know that I think, well, I know that that's the case for Steph because later in the thread, she comes back and answers someone else's question with, In an ideal world, my business would look something like this. A successful copywriter, blogger, and social media consultant with a kick-ass blog offering a ton of free and paid resources for other writers, both courses and other tools. I'm particularly interested in exploring how writers can increase their online presence by providing value to their followers and what channels are best for this. I've noticed that bloggers do this well, but some copywriters, technical writers, and particularly creative writers tend to shy away from this type of self-promotion. This is something I'd like to change. And so she has this vision for where she wants it to be in the future. But the interesting thing is that if you keep reading through the thread, there's so many elements of self-doubt, Mm-hmm. And not wanting to do the work necessary to get there as totally. far as pricing and building that ladder up to this ideal business in the future.
0: Yeah. One of the first moments that I kinda saw that self doubt. And by the way, I I'm Steph, I'm the same way. I am the same same exact way. That self doubt. It is honest. It is it is honest. I wouldn't necessarily say it is authentic. It is you you want to protect yourself. That's what I do. I want to protect myself. I want to um but bear, better air on the, on the side of just like raw honesty and vulnerability, even if it, but it, just so you know, that can take you away from yourself. The whole point of this is getting to yourself, building a business right up on top of that so you can actually do the work that's necessary of the thing. But the first moment that I saw that was when she said, um, when she talked about, so she took this job and in she and I quote here, she says, that was giving up on herself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like giving up on your idea of being, uh, you know, working for yourself. Taking another job was giving up on that. That is not the truth. I don't want you guys, anybody, to think that way. The, my goal is that everybody gets work that they are that they love, that they're inspired by, that they feel is important. Yeah. That even though it sucks, like there's going to be tasks that are going to be challenging it's valuable to do it. No marathon runner finishes the marathon and goes like, that was really easy. Glad I did it. Yeah. They go, that was really hard. I'm glad I did it. And we just think
3: it's a lot easier to do that in a small company or yeah. if you're starting something new.
0: Well, because you can feel really like deflating. You can feel really lobotomized almost by working in a company where you're like, I have this idea. I see this opportunity. And they're like, no, we don't do that here. That, like that. That It's not because you, you don't work for yourself that you don't feel excited about what you do. It's because... There's a lot of crappy places to work, doing really unimportant, uninspiring things. Yep. But there's there is also the opposite. One of my very favorite companies of the last five years just had just shut its doors recently. Ardio. Uh, when I look back at the last ten years or, or so, and I lo- think about the things that are that I'm most happy that I paid for, it was it was Sonos. And audio because they put music in my life like they never was before um, and audio was this music scre- streaming service basically basically made just for designers. <laughs> it was perfect. I loved yeah. it um, and they had to shut their doors because it's a really brutal playing field for that kind of thing that kind of service and and they they didn't they, they and maybe they didn't make the hard decisions that they were supposed to or something but just like it's a real risk when you're running your own business It's
3: interesting if if the uh, streaming provider can't stay in business, who is making money in that right. world? Because everyone's complaining that there's not enough yeah. money to go around. Yeah. us. I, I think as consumers, we're kind of getting the benefit right now.
0: Yeah. We, well, no, we're, we're in the totally- heyday of music right we're- now and, and it's not the heyday of the artist. Yeah. I think, I mean, and, but at the same time, I look at the last, uh, whatever, 50 years and I go like, that was a bubble. That was a bubble. It yeah. has to cut, like, because we have thousands of years before that of, like, of like minstrels <laughs> traveling around, you know what I mean? A way more honest way of doing music. Yeah. But nobody got to be a big hit, right? And so, it's this weird, weird, I, I could talk about that forever, which is stuff. But anyways, this idea, like, when you get a job somewhere, you're not giving up on yourself. You have mm-hmm. to remember, the goal is not working for yourself. The goal is being inspired, passionate, like, like creative, turned on, alive. That's the goal. That's right. what. That's I mean, what you want. If you think you want to build a business, I'll. T- I'll I can convince you. No, you really want this, yes. and you, you're you're building again, your own business. Where, that's to where get the there. The
3: idea of working for yourself as its own goal is yeah. really a shallow goal. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it, it, it totally it, it is. seems you,
3: like it's going to solve all the problems, but if there there can be plenty of situations where it doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. we've seen it. Yeah, totally.
1: I'll add one thing too. There was a point that was brought up by a couple of different fizzlers in the community that I loved, which was this idea and this reminder that there's really no such thing as going backwards. I thought that was such a great point because as you read this thread and you could feel the frustration that Steph is very naturally feeling, you can kind of tell she's like, oh man, I've given up on myself and now like I blew it almost. It's sort of like the vibe that you get. And I love that point from people that's like, wait, but hold on a second. There's no such thing as going backwards when you're on this journey because now- you've had this experience that has reaffirmed that you were on the right path. And that's every bit as valuable as getting off the path in the first place. Yeah. So I just, before we get, I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of tactics and, you know, more sort of nitty gritty of what's going on here, but I just wanted to emphasize how much I I could even see a, a shift in Steph as she's responding once she kind of realized, Oh, you know, this isn't necessarily me taking a step back as much as me, it's me stepping back to go forward.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really important. I mean, hopefully everybody who's listening who's in Fizzle has seen the three rules to build by video, which is which is on the uh, one of the first videos in the roadmap. Um, And one of the big points in that is you are not a prophet, you are not a palm reader, you're not a fortune teller, you're a researcher, you're a scientist. You have hunches, you have ideas, and then you go out into the world and you see if if that is true or not. So what happens when it's not true? You're not a failure. You're not an idiot. It's just, it's just, you're a scientist who goes like, oh, so I'll, so I'll make these changes and try that now. Oh, I'll make these changes and try that now. You've got your clipboard, you're a little researcher going away. That, I can't, I mean, maybe, maybe a lot of people out there are going like, yeah, we get it, Chase. But for me, if someone could have gotten that message through to me 10 years ago when I started like, whatever, trying to do things on the side and do stuff, yeah. and I, if I wouldn't have taken those failures so personally... If I wouldn't have felt like a failure yeah. from it, like that would have been a night and day difference for me. I would have, per- I would, like what you just said, Steph. If I could realize that I wasn't moving backwards, I wasn't wasting time. It was all contributing to a, a broader view of how the world really works. Totally, you know. And
3: the the good thing for Steph is she says that um, her short term income need is not a huge issue because she's barely making enough to pay all these essential bills and feed herself through doing one-off low paying gigs. So that takes some of the pressure off, right? Because a lot of people, in fact, we were talking about the alternate um, topic for today would have been this guy who needs to make money within the next 60 days and he's in a tight situation. Steph is in a situation, but she's able to pay the bills. And so the second problem that she gets into is, um, she's working hard to get her head above water, which is extremely draining, making it difficult to focus on the bigger picture rather than the next paycheck. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. She knows there's some, some greater place she wants to get to, but it's hard to focus right now because she's in the, in the trenches. I guess. Yeah.
2: yeah, totally. And that was exactly what I said to Steph when I, when I jumped into this thread, it was like, Hey, from a Maslow's hierarchy of needs standpoint, you got to take care of the income first or else you're not going to be able to get anything done. And so in this case, like you said, Corbett, she needs, you know, whatever, a little bit more to get to the point where she's making truly enough to be comfortable. But really we need her to get beyond that because the second problem I said is how do you do the work now to build the business that you've talked about you can believe in this longer term vision, which requires you to get above that level of just providing for things and getting by, which is where she's been in the past. And so I think there's kind of like two problems here. How do we make sure the short term is covered? and how do we make sure the short-term income needs are covered in a way that allows her to also start building the long-term Which is actually, and
0: breaking it up into those two different problems is insanely helpful. It's so. really, really helpful for everybody listening. If you're not breaking that up, it, you should know that it's a big tip to do that because you do have current needs right now. You have to see those as like, I, the way I think about it is like, you know, in, in, in Super Mario, there's levels and there's a flag at the end of every level. Okay, so you have, that's your goal. Your milestone for right now is getting to the end of the level, but the big milestone is saving the princess at the end of the game. In order to do that, you got to complete all these different levels. So you got to know to the both of those things. What's your big goal? What's the princess at the end of the whole game? And what is what is the end of the of this current level? What's the flag you're trying to get to now? And so oftentimes, for a lot of us starting out, that's just how do I get my monthlies taken care of? Yeah. like what okay, so how much is your are your monthlies? How much are you making right now? What's the thing that you do right now to earn more of that of that revenue? You know what I mean? It's like those are the serious questions for right now. And then thinking through how you put it, which was, which was very eloquent, eloquently put, how do you do that right now, problem? in a way that enables you to build that long-term mm-hmm. thing too.
2: Yeah. And so like for Steph, you know, she mentioned in this in this post that sometimes she's guilty of writing really good extensive blog posts for as little as mm-hmm. 15 to $20 a piece purely due to fear of not hitting my minimum monthly target in her words. Yep. And so this is, as she put it, a recurring theme that comes up because I challenged her and I said, okay, great, fill your client roster first maybe that's priority number one, get to that minimum viable income. But then the job to be done here, I think is slowly moving up that income ladder so that every client you take on beyond that, you're pricing higher so that you can remove, you can lower the number of clients you need Mm -hmm. to meet the same minimum viable income. And so if today you need 10 clients to make, let's say $3,000 a month or whatever, tomorrow you could need five clients to make the same amount if you uh, double the rate. pursue it yeah, the right yeah, way, yeah. right? Yep. And so that's part of the, this longer term strategy is how do you go from just paying the bills to paying the bills, doing the same kind of work, but getting paid more per project? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so that, you and free that, up
0: some time to focus on the bigger picture. Exactly. Stuff. And that's a very, that's like one of the, that's like the most common problem for for people who have a a, a somewhat successful service business type thing is what you're going to hear from every expert is like, double your rates, raise your rates. Raise your rates. That's the easiest advice to give to anybody who's who's working currently as a, a any sort of service industry thing. You can always give that advice as an expert, as a as a as a fellow expert who who people often look to for advice. I find my I try not to
2: just say that because here's what Steph says about yeah. that. I seem to have an irrational aversion to increasing my pricing and am constantly underselling my services for fear of losing out on a potential gig. Yeah. I guess this is one thing I could change immediately when prospecting for new clients, although it terrifies me.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that, that a lot of that is just, okay, so first of all, Steph, and I'm not talking to, to Steph Crowder, but my, <laughs> my partner here on the show, Steph Simpson, who is the, the the original question asker and every Steph out there who's asking this kind of question, of which I have been one most of my life. What you have the 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 job here is very simple you have to convince yourself of the value that you that you bring to your customers that you you don't you don't realize how helpful you are to them either you're helpful and you don't know it or you're not helpful and you're just scraping by if you're not helpful and you're just scraping by you don't have a long-term business you should you either way you have to figure out what the value is that you're providing to these people because either the business isn't going to last forever, you got to know that as soon as possible. That's only that's only progress. Mm-hmm. or it is, and you raise your rates sooner, you feel more comfortable about it, totally. Right. Uh, so how do you go about it? I don't know, how, how do you guys go about finding like convincing yourself, understanding how useful what you do? is for a client.
1: Well, real quick, I just want to add, because I think it's also worth pointing out, This I I highlighted this exact same passage. It it jumped out to me too. And this is a really long conversation. But to me, this... This feeling that she's having of, yeah, and you know, sometimes I I only charge $15 to $20 for what I feel like is really quality work, I think that fact ties directly to the fact that Steph fell out of her fell out of love with her business in the first place, which is mm. really important because yeah. if you're constantly undervaluing yourself and and that's what you communicate to the world when you price yourself out. It's it, it's no wonder that you start showing up every day feeling like, well, why am I even doing this? No one really appreciates mm. all this hard work I'm putting in. So yeah. I think beyond like making more money and, and reaching your long-term goals, which of course is so important, for your own confidence, your own value, and your own excitement about your business, you, you absolutely have to be able to put your foot down and say, this is what my, what my work is worth, and this is what I believe about myself. And I think,
0: I think it starts as putting your foot down, but... <laughs> But there's, there is just like you get to be, the best sales people that I know, they're not good at convincing
2: you. Right. They're convinced already of how, how mm-hmm. useful this thing is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, <clears throat> the simple math on something like this, if we just take the $15 to $20 an article kind of thing, and we've done some of this before, but the way this works is if you multiply that number times two and add three zeros, that gets you to an, a theoretical annual 40-hour workweek salary that would be the equivalent if you did this every hour throughout the year. Right. All right. So if you charge $15 per article and you could do an article an hour and you could work 40 hours a week, which is not possible, let's be clear, you would make $30,000 a year in salary. Right. Which is, for most people, not enough to get by, okay? And so even that as a simple litmus test is a great one to say, am I accurately valuing my work for the kind of living I need to be able to make? Totally. Which Wait, before you, before you move you on provide. from that, I think that's a really big
0: deal. So because that's not that's not how my brain works. If if I'm resonating so much with what Steph Simpson's saying in this thread, she might not even know that either. Because I didn't until Corbett started drawing things on the back of napkins. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, we would have to sell fifteen hundred versions of uh, fifteen hundred copies of this to to earn something that could support us or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how did you tell? How did you know? And once I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, but I didn't know I needed to know that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what what do you do for Steph?
2: Okay, like, so do that again. This, Walk me the through the way that the again. The the math works, you don't even have to know why it works. Just trust me. Well, you is, just,
3: whatever, you multiply your hourly rate by 2,000 and you get. Yeah,
2: that works too. Exactly. <laughs> What's 2,000?
3: That's how many hours roughly there are in a, a working year. Right.
2: In a year. Okay, yeah. got it. Yep. so 40 hours times 50 working weeks yep. is 2,000 yep. hours. Yeah. And the reality for freelancers is you're going to work maybe a third of those hours. Most likely more like 10% or yeah. something. No, like
0: you're gonna do you're gonna do billable work for a third of that's those ma- maximum, yeah, exactly. right? You're gonna do a lot of
2: other work trying to yeah. get
3: more billable yeah. work. Right. You know? Right. So, so as a freelancer, then what you're saying is really the billable hours are probably more like eight hundred in a year or something. That's right. Yeah. Max. Yeah. Max.
2: Yeah. And that's if you're really good at selling your stuff, right? And yep. so you're you're always going to struggle if your rate doesn't match up with that reality. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah, and so in her case, fifteen times eight hundred, fifteen dollars times eight hundred is only twelve thousand dollars in a year. Right, that's a thousand dollars a month. It, totally, nobody can live on that. Well, right. I, I apologize to people who make minimum wage because, unfortunately, at this point, yeah, that's about what they earn. And um, so, so
2: the number we kind of throw around sometimes for like minimum viable income worthy. Uh, for the average person is like 40 grand, $40,000. $40, I mean,
0: in, in some parts of the country, you're living like a king on that. In other parts, right. you are
2: uh, you can't even afford to in live, poverty, right? right? And so that's right. just like an average whatever that we say. Right. If that were the number you were shooting for at 800 hours, you would have to be billing at $50 an hour. Right. And that's if you can knock and so, out an article in an hour.
3: Yeah, and so if you're charging less than $50 an hour then it's almost as if it's almost as bad as a company who buys a physical good and then sells it for less
0: than they paid for it exactly yeah, yeah that that's the that's the hard part right. about soft skills like this is you can't even tell that
3: you're putting yourself in a hole right. exactly that you're going to have to deal you, with like, you
0: have no idea and especially when it, it's emotional man i I'm trying to sell someone on my services is I'm not selling them on my services. I'm selling them on me. Right. I'm asking them, am I valuable? Right. Uh, am I Not only valuable to you, am I a valuable person? Most of mm-hmm. us are asking this question with every event in our life and everything that we're doing, right? And so to try to answer that question in a situation where if you could do that thing where you were buying something physical for $10 and you were selling it over here for $9, you'd know immediately... Duh, that's, but when you talk about time and attention, all of a sudden you're not even paying attention to it because it's such an emotional, it's such an emotional sale. It's an emotional right. journey. It's it, somehow you get other things excited about. It. I totally. don't know.
3: And, and this is this is the problem a lot of people have when they go into freelancing because when you're working a regular job and then you start thinking about becoming a freelancer and you think, man, I, I heard people charge like $80 an hour, right? right? Instead yeah. of I get paid $40 an hour doing this or whatever. Yeah. If you were going to go to work for one giant client who paid you 40 hours a week, then sure, maybe mm-hmm. you'll be better off, although you have to deduct for health care and yep. all the stuff that you have to pay for on your own. So mm-hmm. it's not as good a deal as you thought. But if you're the kind of freelancer who's working for five or 10 different clients every week, then there's all this overhead involved and all
2: of your profit just goes yep. right out the window. Yeah, Yep. And so- Part of the answer to your question, Chase, about how do we end up convincing ourselves that we're worth the rate we need to charge, Yeah, at least for someone like Steph, in this case, it lies in the work she's already done. She's got clients she's worked with, and she says she's got happy clients she's worked with. And uh, Seth Godin speaks in bits. He kind of has the comedian gig going where he's got these bits that he, he weaves together in a given presentation. And one of his little bits is about this notebook. Okay, so as a freelancer, you can imagine having this, three ring binder and every page is a laminated sheet of paper that is a letter from one of your past clients. Mm -hmm. Okay. And every time you finish a project, you go to your client and you say, I'd like you to write a letter to a future client of mine, answering these three questions. It could be two paragraphs. And the questions are maybe, um, what was the work I did for you? What were you hoping it would achieve and what did it achieve? Just start there or something like that. And they write two paragraphs and they sign it, their name, and maybe you know sign it you know physically or whatever so it looks real and now you have this notebook that you carry theoretically carry around with you to all of your your client sales yeah. and you say listen this is what i do this is how i think i can help you and they say well how do i know you're valuable and you hand them the notebook mm-hmm. and they flip through it and as that builds up and there's hundreds of them it's like well of course i'm going to hire you you're the best because yeah. everyone says you're the best so why wouldn't i yeah. hire you and pay you worth this yeah. and what i love about that is it's this idea of if you think of every client project as an asset that's going to help you get more client work in the future, mm. if you only do the work to get the testimonial and the proof, that's valuable. Yep. You know, that makes sense why that could work over time. Totally, And it convinces you that you've done work that's valuable to people, which is probably the bigger part of the battle.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So um, another thing, so thinking about like, how do we convince ourselves that the work we do is worth the cost our clients are paying. This is a really big deal. And, and, and I think you can even beyond, because beyond, I think that's a huge, what, what you just said is, is going to allay a lot of her fears. The other way about it is more of a, like what I call like a Corbett uh, spreadsheety kind of way of going like, okay, what do I make for them? I make them, let's say I make them a blog post. What's that worth for them? So what is the value of any individual blog post for mm-hmm. them? What's the monetary value, uh, if you can get to it, on that blog post? It's hard It's hard for that, right? For me, when I was designing websites, I w- at one point I was focusing on plumbers, right? Because I had a friend who was a plumber. I had made a really great site for him, and it was working really well. Yeah. So I could kind of go like, all right, you have a website up that's getting you more clients. What's that worth to you as a plumber? Okay, let's. I'll split that in half, and I'll, that's what I'll charge for the website. And that's my pitch to, to to plumbers is like, listen, this is this is how much he's making on the thing. I split that in half. Here and and that that's just for that's just for the first six months or a year that that, that site is up. Right. right, it performs like that for you for forever. Yeah. Right. Uh, I didn't. I dare I ne- to be to be perfectly honest. I never really pitched like that because I was too scared to do it. Well, Even then,
3: and but I don't know that you need to use the justification methods to as the pitch as the pitch. I think right. you just have to use it to convince yourself, yep. that you can ask for that rate
0: because there is also there's the value that I provide, right? And and you always have to provide more value than you can than you're than you're taking, right? That is just that's just the rule of business, and it just feels good to do that. There's the value you provide, but then there's also the cost that the market will bear, right? Right, and there's also the scarcity of
3: other people who can do the quality yep. of work. That if you're there's doing. a
0: lot of other people who can do it, well, then that brings down the cost of your thing. So all of these are contributing to like, oh no, I'm scared. I don't know what to charge. But that that is not an excuse to not take this very seriously. What you charge is a really important part. Of your client services business. Yep. And a, a lot of experts are telling you to raise your rates. That's a really, really important thing to think about. Yeah, How do you convince yourself what the rate is right for right now? Okay, so you have where you are. A lot of people just literally say like, just double it. Just next pitch, next time a client, like their very next one, just double that and offer that and see what they say. Totally. Right? And just see, just like, there's well, this and trick. If,
3: and if, if cost isn't, Currently, yeah. an issue that comes up when you're trying to close deals, then you're not charging enough. Yeah. If you start to hear that cost is an issue over and over again, then then you're probably this is what
0: sucks, right? I, I hire you to, to write a blog post for me. You finally give me the price. You're like twenty five dollars. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> like let, totally. let's do it. Like like I'm going to treat you like that. And, and yes, and that's what sucks. That's well, and the what other sucks. reaction
2: to that kind of thing is like, there's no way that's going to be good enough to run on our blog. There's no way. You tell me you're twenty five dollars uh, a. Uh, article and it's like that's that's not for fizzle there's no way that's for fizzle well obviously we don't pay anybody to right. write we for us but, but i mean but if, if i'm
0: if i'm ge or if i'm if i'm chevy or if i'm just some right. content farmy type of like we just needed to look like there's stuff going on content seo yada, 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 right. etc i just need you know 500 words on x um then it's like i'm all, i'm paying a lot of writers uh i'm comparing you to the other writers you're probably doing work that's that's at or above the bar that I need it to be at. And you're probably less than, cost less than. So I'm going to probably give you more work, but you're going to fizzle out. You are going right. to burn out. Right. This work is not, like you, like you said, you could not make a living if you had nonstop clients of mm-hmm. that, right. at that rate.
2: Which is this, yeah, it just goes back to the whole, this whole concept of unit economics. And it's like, if you lose money on one, you're going to lose 10 times the money on 10, going back mm. to the whole Yeah, 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 thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
0: So um, okay, so putting a, a pin in that thing, I think that's that's really important for for Steph Simpson and for all of us uh, who who are freelancers and and uh, and trying to. Th- a real big common problem is is how what do I charge for my thing, for my product, for my yada yada yada. You're always looking at other products or other services and going like, what are they charging? Then going like, well, I'll charge a little less than that, or I'll charge a little more than that. Right? There's another way of looking at it. it's like how do I how do I determine the value that I provide for these for these people? Steph, I would recommend that you. Look into that. Uh, And not that you're going to get hard and fast money values, but it can help you to understand what's it worth... To your customer, to have a blog post every single week, so that they look good uh, to to everybody who's showing up. All oh, these people are taking blogging seriously, or whatever. Like I might buy a car from them. I don't know how. I don't know what it is you're writing on, but uh, you, that's important to them. It, it it's worth money to them, and getting being able to know what is valuable to them about it is important. That's that's a part of your pitch. That's a part of of knowing what your job is. Right. Yep. So so, keep so let's going. just
2: say that you got to the point where you had a steady stream of clients that you could be billing out regularly at $50 an hour or 800 hours a year. Okay. So we're setting that as kind of our baseline arbitrary. doesn't matter. The actual numbers, we're just using that as an example. You get to the point where you've got um, $50 an hour and that equals 16 hours of work per week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say you do four hours of work per week for four clients. That may or may not be how your business works, but let's just throw that out there. So four clients a week, four hours at $50 an hour. 200 bucks a week per client. Now, I am so
0: lost right now. Keep going though. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and, I, and I like the way that he's pitching it too. He's like, it's like very simple. $200 so a the week divided being, by an ogre is an onion. Let's say, and- <laughs> so just let's say you have 40 hours a week uh, and we're saying you only need 16 of those to make your living. That's okay. That's the point here. Okay. Got okay? it. Okay, Got it. So less than half of 16 your, of those to be billable hours correct, to make correct. a living. Yeah. And if you had steady clients, that's mm-hmm. feasible, I think. Yep. Now what you've got is you've got half your time to dedicate to that long-term vision that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so your job is to wake up each day and knock out the four hours of client work and then do your business work or vice versa. It doesn't really matter, whichever one fits your creative energy. But that's the simple path to getting to the point where we even have the ability to work on the long-term vision of this business. So I think we solve problem one if you can get to that point is where I'm trying to take us. And so now it's like, let's assume we can get there. Then what? Then where yeah. do we go? Then,
0: then and, and this goes back to what you had read previously on like her goal or her dream of like, this is where I want to be right. out here. And then you reverse engineer that. What does it take to get there? So in three years or five years, you're that. And by the way, that is something that almost no one is comfortable thinking about. Totally. That it's going to take five years to get there. I even mean, right. like I said, three years. I know you're not going to do this in three years. I know that the that the world doesn't move that fast. Even if even if you could do all of that work it'll take way more time for you to be that thing the way that you dream of it being right. if you can imagine that happening over 5 years is it still worth the work if you have to if you have to grind it out for 5 years right do
2: you know so what i mean just to reiterate her vision for the future is my in an ideal world my business would look something like this a successful copywriter blogger and social media consultant so that's what we just talked about the freelancing part with a kick-ass blog offering a ton of free and paid resources for other writers, essentially to help them do what she's working to do. Yeah. And so what's interesting is that not only does she get to the point where she can work on this long-term vision if she increases her rates, but also she's doing the work that allows her and gives her uh, weight behind her teaching Mm -hmm. to help other writers in the future Mm -hmm. because she's done what she's saying she needs to help other people do as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Totally. What are you hearing, um, Corbett? What are, wait, Steph, what are you What are you hearing over there? Where are we right now in this?
1: I, I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting. One of the things, I don't want to take us too far off track if we want to continue no, on, on no, this one. No, by all
0: means, take the tracks <laughs> off.
1: Well, it's interesting. Corbett very briefly sort of alluded to a, a sort of parallel conversation that we sort of contemplated having and it raises a question in my mind so we had another fizzler with sort of a similar situation but a few key differences who is you know in a similar boat in that he had a job lost a job and is the key difference being he's starting from the very beginning he's new to fizzle and he's trying to figure out how do i make a business work in 60 days. I have to get to ramen profitable in 60 days or else I have to move and look for a new job. And we had a little bit of a conversation about this earlier as a team. And for me, it raises the question, you know, at what point is it feasible to say, okay, this is this is doable and you can work this plan and get to get to the point where we're talking about Steph has the ability to do that. And when is it just not going to be enough time to make it work?
0: Yeah, that's a. It's such a big question. I still. I think I want to. I think I want it to be its own, its own thing. It's something that brings up a lot for me, at least, because it's another one of these back of the napkin kinds of things that like will blow your mind, and it's. I don't know. It brings up a lot of these challenges where expectations lie in in entrepreneurship, where you're reading a blog, you're like, I can do this. Look at this guy. He's not smarter or or, or better than I am. I could do this. And and you don't realize like there are a bunch of people that got to fu- that got to like start in that and and like be your first movers and early on that that had a little bit less work to do but they still had to work a ton and if you're starting now you're working
2: way more you know what I mean mm-hmm. but so I guess the way we wrap that into this conversation I think is before we start talking about this long term vision and amazing business she wants to build in the future is. Do we think that given Steph's background and situation that in the relative short term, let's call it six months, she could move towards having that number of uh, client hours each week at that rate to allow her to be the song term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's applicable here. To me, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. I think so too. Can she do it Uh, is is
0: the question you're asking. and, And then
2: the question is why does it work in this situation right. and why would we advise against that in some other ones
0: okay let's save the other one for okay. later yeah all right and let's let's do uh let's let's do to dress like specifically right Steph's situation what
2: here what are the elements that make it feasible to you right. corbett
3: well the elements are she's done this already she already has experience she's done yeah. client work she has a bunch of testimonials she
2: knows what the work is
3: yeah she knows exactly what it is there the between her and success is simply some work and some mental gaps that she needs to cover.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see I definitely I mean we we've talked a lot about uh one of those mental gaps being like I, I don't know how to charge what I probably should be. Yeah. She I, has I, to I,
3: charge more and if she starts to encounter pricing issues when she charges more, she's probably um, pursuing the wrong clients or yeah. she's not pitching the value. Yeah, exactly. Whatever.
0: Yeah, Steph it has to take you have to take the the Book Yourself solid course because it, it helps you identify what are those clients that I actually enjoy working for. Right. They're not They're almost never the ones who are paying you the least right? or who are fighting
2: with you over cost. So, you know, elements for me are number one. There's no doubt in my mind that there are clients out there who are not only willing to pay this, but the work is well worth that amount of money. Uh, for this kind of writing and social media management type stuff.
0: Yeah, they're like, that's the cost of doing business and we need this business, so please please write for us
2: now. Exactly, and the reality is that most companies don't do their own work in these areas. They just don't. They're not doing their own management of these things. And there are plenty of small businesses out there who would be more than willing to pay for this kind of thing just to not think about it. Mm -hmm. And so there's no doubt in my mind that this is a viable service for a viable market. And then the second thing is, there are a lot of, once you make your mind up about that, there are a lot of ways you can creatively price this stuff to make it not even about the hours. So if you go back to our pricing uh, strategies episode of the podcast, you can start looking at things like project-based pricing, where your job maybe is just to do X number of things per week, Rate right? One article per week for $100 per week, and it doesn't matter how many hours. And so if you can get that done in an hour, now you've gotten paid for two hours of work or the equivalent of two hours of work for one hour that you put into the article. Right. And project-based pricing can be very uh, special for that in this kind of situation where you're trying to get to an income level and then use the extra time. Yeah. So pricing plays a big role in this. And I think there are plenty of strategies that we talked about in that episode that could work effectively to get her to that rate. I agree. Good. You should. (laughs) (laughs) I do. That's Barrett's answer for everything. Uh, Any, any elements on your mind, Steph, as to why this one is viable?
1: One thing I think it's important, and we talked a little bit about it, but I also sort of feel like we, we brushed over it as we started talking about other pieces. But that question that got brought up in the beginning, we talked about long-term versus short-term. Asking yourself, okay, what is it that you actually need to make this work? I thought it was really interesting in this particular case. Like if you were to read the initial post that Steph made, and then you, you, as you see the conversation unfold, it turns out that what she, when she thinks about it, when she breaks it down, the amount that she needs actually is not that much money. It's really, she's really not that far from being at the point where she's actually able to relax as she puts it. So I could almost like feel her relax when she put a number on it. So yeah. to me, I think it's just so important to make sure that you really do have a grasp over what is that incremental amount that will make you say, okay, I can do this. I can keep going because like Chase was saying, getting the flag at the end of the level, it it's so overwhelming because you feel like you have to go from zero to a hundred when the truth is it might be a matter of a few hundred bucks between you and being okay from month to month. So I really think the first thing is figuring out what is that number for me that's going to make this okay.
2: That is definitely the first thing. And it needs to be at the new rate, not the old rate, because what I took away from her saying there's an incremental number was there's some number that's already coming in from the old strategies. Yeah. And this gap, making that gap up is the perfect first opportunity to start pricing differently and thinking differently about her work that she's doing. And so I don't think that gap should be made up with the same $20 per article strategy because there's no reason for that. Yeah. There's
0: literally no reason for it. And I, yeah, like how do you how do you get closer to it? Because because honestly, the math means if you keep doing that, you're just making your grave deeper, right? right? Because you do the math: how many articles do I have to do to get to the money that I need in the in the year or whatever? Uh, meaning, like doing staying on this old strategy, it, you you just do that calculation once to see I can't do that. I that is not a, that's not a possibility. Um, so that's where getting to that, when you said, Steph, getting to a, like finally getting to a number, it can feel really liberating because it can convince, it can show you that like what you're working towards cannot work. So what else do you got? Right. Right. And it's not like you're a failure. It's, it's what other ideas do you have now? Because we need ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally.
0: I don't know. What else do you guys want to say? Is there is there anything else? I mean, one of the her questions is, do you think I, it would be beneficial for me to start right back at the beginning of the Fizzle Roadmap is one of the specific questions that she asked. Yes, absolutely. You have experience doing something and falling out of love with it for whatever reason. You have experienced like taking the time to build something and then deciding to move on. That's not wasted time. You've learned a lot about what that means. Now let's go back to the beginning and let's like make sure that this idea that you have is solid. It's what you want to do. And you understand the, the the realities of this business, and that's what the roadmap's going to walk you through. But I'm going to challenge that
2: really quick. I, I
0: think yes. But well, not meaning, yet. but what's what's starting back at the at the roadmap? Starting back at the roadmap is is like is just meaning like in in a, literally a week you can go through phase one to tighten up to do the, the business sketch template to do the to understand the archetypes to figure out a model to follow to to get to the point where it's like okay, what what does my website have to have on it now? Do you know what I mean? It, that's not. I'm not saying like go oh, spend three months trying sure. to like no. You you have work to do. Go through that quick. Right. Make your first version of it. Like like Anne Lamott says, it's a, it's a crappy first draft. That's how every book starts. It's a crappy first draft. Get to that
2: and then let's move forward. So the way I would frame it though is, sure, start at the beginning and only think about the short-term goal, which is yeah. X number of hours of, client, of billable client hours per month at X rate. That yeah. is the business right now. Yep. And then yeah. once you reach that, you can go back and start thinking about the longer term. If you if you were like in her boat, Barrett, where what would you what would those numbers be? Just for you personally, I would be trying to make forty grand a year, okay, at a minimum, uh-huh. and that can grow over time. But I think that takes care of the short term income needs. So, what's so your client
0: you, per hour sort of thing? What's your? I would be shooting for fifty dollars an hour. Fifty dollars an hour and si- and
2: si- whatever sixteen hours a uh, week on right. So that basically puts you at fifty hours a month. Uh, times $50 an hour. Uh, you're just saying numbers now. You don't if, even know what that means. 50 hours each. Like,
0: 75. <laughs> 75. Is that a niner? Uh, No, but like, so you're talking about like eight clients at a, uh, how many, how many clients in a year? You said.
2: Well, uh, I don't
3: know if these are like recurrent, if she does recurring clients. Got or it. If she's right. It mostly just kind doing of that.
2: depends. I, I would actually, the ideal situation here, I think, is that she gets five, Monthly retainer clients, mm-hmm. where she's yeah. dedicating X number of hours a month. To totally, them. it's yeah.
3: much easier to have ongoing clients, right? And yeah, if so you had two I, hours
2: I, a week on each client, right? I put together there. a monthly blog package for a retainer amount, and I would Ooh. put together a monthly social. Media now we're management cooking with gas. Package. This is
0: some. This is straight out of the book yourself solid course. The idea of pack offering packages instead like like on your like you buy this package
2: instead of like here's my rate what do you need right you know what i mean so you can imagine three packages right the lowest package or or maybe not even lowest but the lowest package is uh social media management for one channel or two channels let's say i'll manage your twitter and facebook presence on a monthly basis for x number of dollars Mm. so that's package number one package number two is i'll write a weekly blog post for your blog that's dedicated to your or like catered to your audience, one post a week, X number of words per post, and that's this price. Yes. That's package number two. And package number three is I'll manage your Twitter, Facebook, and your weekly blog needs for X price. Yep. And then you need to go get however many clients you need for that to work. Yeah. Financially, basically. Yeah. Totally. I like you say financially. Financially. Fiduciary. You know what I mean? <laughs> your producer responsibility in this case is for you to take care of your needs at
0: home. <laughs> I don't know why you're also obsessed with raspberry. It's just a fucking fruit.
2: It's <laughs> just a word. <laughs> Strawberries, raspberries, blueberries. I have a question though. <laughs> what? Was that one funny? What? That one you just told was it funny? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, no, I just, I just <laughs> like the sound of my own voice doing these things. <laughs> I'm gonna be a weird person, regardless it's of. i always laugh like You thought it was funny. <laughs> oh no, i I love the Irish guy who says raspberry. <laughs> like, he's like one of my favorite people in my head. I just love that the end of every sentence. I met his voice is like, <laughs> I met him at a bar. I met him at a bar, and he was like, "Are you, are you from the states?" I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, "Oh, do you know the story of the states?" I was like, "No, tell me." <laughs> he's like, "Well, you know." Right, there's Noah in the boat, right. And he's got all these fucking animals on the place. And you got to imagine there's a lot of shite on the boat at certain points. One day he gets his son, Aaron, and he's like, Aaron, we've got to get this damn pile of shite off the boat. He pushes it off the side. And in 1492, Columbus found the fecker. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Come on, that's amazing! That's pretty good. Sitting in a bar in Ireland with an old dude who was drunk at 11 a.m. Oh, God. Phenomenal! What mm. were you doing there at 11 a.m.? I was traveling in Ireland. I was, that was that's Temple Bar, baby. Yeah, that's okay. that's what it's like. I was also doing the same thing, but
2: it's excusable. <laughs> I, was, I was I was talking to him. this
0: Romanian girl. I'm like, do you know the story about America? <laughs> 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 turned around and just go. Literally turned around to the person <laughs> next to him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Damn, uh, that's a good one. Have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's your name? Do you know about America? Here's it. Uh, it's poop. It's poop. <laughs> Ah, dang it! I messed it up. <laughs> so where uh, are we now? Where are we? At? What know. do we need I, to? I
2: think that's got to be yeah. the end of it. Yeah.
0: So I, what I what I liked in that Barrett was trying to get to the specific numbers of clients that I need, the specific number of hours that I need to work, the specific rate that I need to charge for that, and that's gonna. It's all that's all worked backwards from that. Like, okay, what's my yearly that I need yeah. to yeah. get and to? And please,
3: people, please package up your services. Yes. Yeah.
0: It, it, it makes a huge difference. It really does. It makes a big difference because what you're doing is you're de- you it forces you to define what's the value proposition of this thing. Yeah, What are you getting? And so they go like, oh, I
2: know what I'm getting now. Totally. totally. And so like, let's just think about Fizzle. If we were thinking about running an experiment where we had somebody write on a paid basis for us or where we had somebody manage our Twitter account, it would be much easier for us to think about what do we have to pay for a month of this experiment than yeah. it would be for X hours of you managing our accounts. It's like I don't, I don't even know what eight hours of Twitter means. Totally. But if you tell me you're gonna manage promoting our content for a month and replying to people, great. Tell me the number, and then and that's a great. And then like on a, on
0: average, my clients receive, you know, get about five percent more traffic every month. Exactly. It's Like oh yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in because those Mailed are the it. two things that matter. It's like, can we afford this, and will what are it the matter for us? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, uh, you tell anybody you get 5% more anything, they're probably going to go like, okay, that's probably worth it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You get 5% more, uh, more, more dance floor activities.
3: More Snickers
0: bars. More computer time. More... More straw hats. More headphones. 5% more headphones. That, you're getting my attention. I already have a lot of headphones as it is. 5% is actually a lot of headphones. <laughs> 5% uh, and, okay like a I, that's all it is headphones. for me Steph do you have anything anything to, to say before closing
1: no I, I really think we did it guys
0: I think we did I think this is such a great topic I, lo- I literally I love, love how we always feel so
3: good about ourselves Steph's question guys, you guys
0: I just this. have to say I did a great job today didn't I <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Nailed it. Um, but no, to, to to Steph Simpson out there in the forums, to everyone who feels the, the same way, it, it is a nightmare to try to do this kind of stuff. But you can do this. You are doing it. It's This is what the work looks like. And it just, guess what? You don't have to learn this again. Once you get used to learning this and then you do the work of, yeah. there's, this, there's this weird then thing. Then you have another problem, which is it's boring because you've been doing it so long and you're too good at it. <laughs> yep. And don't get me wrong. That's a real problem. By the way, one little thing that all of us can do as little, uh, a little game on this. I heard this somewhere, some podcast. I can't even remember. But it was like you just, whenever you buy something, just go, can you give me a 10% discount on that? Totally. Just ask for a discount. Only for one reason. Because it's uncomfortable to do it. And yeah. why is it uncomfortable? Because you're, you're. It just feels awkward when you get used to doing that. And, I got three hundred dollars jeans for a pretty significant discount nice because job. I asked. And then I did kind of lie because I said, are you working in the neighborhood?" And I was like, "I worked in the neighborhood over," but I didn't tell them that. I told them I worked in the neighborhood, and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's a big discount for." And I was like, "Thank you," <laughs> but but uh, that uh, whatever. I'm not a bad guy because they're way overpriced, anyways. Um, but the point being, like, you can ask this money stuff. That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for so many of us. Yeah. It we if you come basically if you come from like a halfway decent sort of background. Like where you didn't have to like really think a lot about money, it's uncomfortable to think about. The people who are ahead of the, of the pack are actually the ones who had to hustle from an earlier age. Do you know what I mean? I kind of envy some of those people because I, I, I just don't think about money that way. But that's also why I can do an Irish voice, I guess. So I got that going for me. Or
2: it just gave you the sigh of death.
0: I have been Chase Wordman Reeves. I've been Corbett Hart. I'll give you the, div,
1: the, the giggle uh, of delight.
0: <laughs> I've been Barrett Bruce.
1: I've been Steph Crowder.
0: And we'll see you there. And we'll oh, we'll see, see you on another
1: time.
0: time. And we'll see you so, there you have it. Thanks, Steph, so much for being so honest and well spoken. We are absolutely rooting for you. Let us know how it works out. You can go to the show notes on this page fizzleshow.co slash 137 and you're going to find two things, uh, more than just two things the conversation about this episode obviously but one article that you need to know about is the 8 Pricing Strategies uh, podcast that that Barrett mentioned uh, we discuss each one of them in detail it's really really helpful. One of those Barrett episodes where he comes really prepared with stuff uh, If so if the pricing stuff in this episode was interesting to you definitely check out that episode. Uh, and then also I just spent uh, the last week Updating one of our guides, the top 10 mistakes in online business guide. This is something that we've seen uh, the mistakes happen over and over and over and over again. It's something that Corbett wrote a while ago, and we turned it into this guide. If you're wondering what something you could make, giveaway on your site uh, could look like. This is a great example of it. I mean, I'm sort of tooting my own horn there, but we spend a lot of time on it, and it looks great. Um, So, if you go to fizzleshow.co slash 137, you can download that free guide. There's a a link there. Um, It'll get you on the email list for Fizzle. If you're not already, if you're not, why not? Why are not? There's like uh, like 60 plus thousand people on that list. They get an email, one on Tuesday and one on Friday, and that's it. Maybe an occasional when there's like a special announcement or something like that. But we write a blog post every Tuesday and a a podcast episode every Friday. If you're an independent business owner, if you are a lifestyle entrepreneur, this is the stuff that you need to know about. That's what our business does. I want you to be on that list because it's going to be helpful. And if it isn't, then just unsubscribe. But I'm working really hard to make it helpful. So you can find those at fizzleshow.co slash 137. Here's an iTunes review from Garrett in the US of A. He says, The most helpful and hilarious content I've found. It's ridiculous to think it's taken me this long to review this podcast because I've been listening for over six months and love everything Fizzle stands for. Thank you so much, Garrett. I love what you stand for, I think. I love that you can, hopefully you can stand up. I love that. And even if you can't, I love that about you too. Thank you so much for your iTunes review. You know that our goal here is to help you make progress on your business. Not just right now, but every single week. Week in and week out. This is what it's like to make a business. Those who make progress every single week, measured progress, those are the ones that win over time. Okay? Two things are really important uh, in that journey. Number one, mastermind group is one of the most important things you can do in terms of actually moving the needle on your business. It's something that we, we've seen thousands of entrepreneurs in Fizzle and one of the most uh, important indicators of success is are you in a mastermind group that's just a little inside the baseball for you the second thing is uh, well fizzle membership of course <laughs> no I can't really say that I, I have confirmation bias on that one but uh, but, anyways you, you can write it I don't know I don't even remember what I was saying about the second one <laughs> so we'll just go with that uh, you know that our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week first uh, resource on that is a mastermind group second resource is just dropping us a line and it's an iTunes review I don't know I really want you to, to go to the iTunes store and click right review for this reason. We have 497 global iTunes reviews. That is such a big deal. And can you tell where I want to get to? Can you, do you know how many it takes to get us to a very magical number? Three more reviews is all it's going to take to get to 500. And you better believe that if you're that 500th review in iTunes, I'm going to read the crap out of your. I'm not sorry. I should. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna read the crap out of your thing on the air. I shouldn't have slowed it down. I'm going to read it. So I'm not gonna. If yours is crappy, I might not read it. But if it is also, it, I'm gonna. You know what I'm saying, right? Like I'm going to read yours on the air. I, I I would love for you to to leave us a review, even if even if it's not the 500th one. You help us get there. That's why we read. A, a review every episode if you haven't yet head to iTunes click, uh, look, search in the store for The Fizzle Show and click write a review, I'd love to hear your voice and I'd love for us to get to 500 global iTunes reviews, I think that'd be amazing okay that's it for this show, when you hit your next roadblock, when your arse start, when your arse starts to shin, whoa, when your arse starts to singe from the fire you're not alone you can do this you are doing it I mean that I don't mean that just in Irish way when you start to when you hit your next roadblock when you start to feel that like that thing creep up your neck where you can't really breathe and you're panicking and it's craziness remember you are not alone and you're not a palm reader you're not a prophet you're an entrepreneur you have hunches you can do some research and, and you have to try things out so I hope you find a community that can support you find care take care serve hard and dig in thanks And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.